welcome to 60 Second Spark. This is episode five. A long hiatus from the last episode. Um, I felt convicted the other week when I was taking my Instagram break because I had one of my peoples send me a text and they were like, oh, I see that you're off Instagram, so I just texted you a novel thought, first of all, asterisk, um, when you can't connect with people on social media. I feel like some people just don't talk to you at all when they have perfectly <laughs> good means of doing so outside of an app. But um, they were also just asking me, they're like, hey, I haven't seen any podcasts lately. What happened? And I was like, oh, great. this is a good question. So I felt convicted. <laughs> But we are here today uh, with my sister-in-law, Marquita. We had recorded a couple weeks ago, but I think there were too many mimosas involved and just Definitely. too many technical difficulties. <laughs> so that episode was no bueno, um, which was interesting because that was at the very beginning of the pandemic where... Right. Things hadn't even been locked down yet, but there was just a lot of rumblings about what was going on. So, you know, just just winging it today and talking through some things, especially from her perspective, which I always find is a great form of uh, free therapy for me. So maybe we'll get some gems in this episode. Marquita, you can just go ahead and maybe say some things about yourself. That yeah, are sure. interesting. Three things. Three interesting things. Oh, pressure, pressure. Um, let's see. I'm a child therapist. I guess that's interesting. Um, I'm a first-gen graduate student. And sometimes I like to snowboard. Nice. This season? Did you go this yeah. season? No, we didn't get to go. It's been crazy. It was a weirdly hot uh, I was going to say summer season. It was a really hot winter, though. Yeah, we didn't get a lot of snow this year. Last year was really good. This year, not so much. Okay. So a child therapist. So that's why you're able to communicate with me very well. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And you're living where right now? Um, I live maybe 20 minutes outside of Phoenix, Glendale area. More specifically, if you know the area of Litchfield Park. Okay, awesome. So cactuses. Yeah, the desert. Nice. Okay. And how has it been living? Because you haven't always lived in Arizona. How has it been since you moved there? Um, socially, the transition has been rough. I can be honest and say that. Um, it's not as easy to make friends. I'm sure it's not easy just in general as an adult because you're not at school. There's no real reason to make those connections. Um, but yeah, socially it's not, it's not been the smoothest, but otherwise professionally things have been going really well. Um, so I think I'm thriving in that area. Could be improving in the making the friends department. Have you made any friends? Work friends. Oh, great. Do they count? Yes. Sorry. It's not stupid notification. I don't know how to turn off the sounds on my computer. Um, it's my friends ask me where I am for this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this thing that I don't want to be social at. Uh, we'll talk about that later, though. Okay, so work friends, but have you, I mean, that's, I 
to struggle with making friends. That's sort of why I'm asking. But so Nick, my brother, your significant other, he's always telling me like, you need to go make friends. But I don't know how you do that. Yeah, he's very social. and He's very trusting in social environments. I think my personality doesn't allow me to be that open to people. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't help. Like, it, I, I can be honest with myself and say I don't have that, like, oh, rainbow, fairies, butterfly face. I usually have RPF, and it scares people. Yeah. I just, I guess, I don't know, in my mind, I guess I imagine some sort of insecure-esque uh, bar setting where <laughs> there's just people that that talk to you that are like, hey, I'm also here in a social setting to make friends. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like in this time of our lives. I just don't get that. Well, where I'm at, I don't get that vibe. But I also come from LA, I didn't get that vibe either. That it's like, oh, yay, we're in a bar. Let's eat. Hey, let's hang out next week. I did see on social media, though, someone was like, oh, I slid in my friend's DM. I'm like, hmm. Maybe I should fly to some people's DMs and be like, hey, you want to be my friend? Like, You know, I, mm, I've i had some people do that to me, and uh, it doesn't go well. Uh, it's almost worse than when guys enter my DMs. I mean, I guess, uh, they, I guess everybody gets ignored, but it's just weird because they're just like, hey, sis, blah, blah, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I don't really know you. Um, but then I never really know what to say because they're just saying like nice things and then I don't know I don't know what what do you do like I'm not sure either can't help you (laughs) (laughs) I'm just as awkward in that area like I'm not even going to try to front and be like yes I've got it all figured out XYZ but I think it, it also takes you have to like put the barrier down and be okay with being uncomfortable and awkward if you truly want to make friends. Yeah. Ironically, not a bad time to not have social settings to make friends in, but an interesting thing that since everybody, literally everybody's on lockdown um, all around the world, it has been interesting to see everybody flock to like this social media sense or like online forms of communication uh, which for me, I mean, I'm still just as distant as I was before this all started. But yeah. um, like you were talking about with Zoom and everybody's kind of reliance on that. I have yet to be on like a friend Zoom or FaceTime or anything. So I've still avoided. Oh, I have. It was actually pretty fun. Really? Yeah, we did a, a Zoom happy hour. I think it was fun for me, too, because some of my friends haven't come to um, Arizona yet to visit me. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to, like, show them around my house and, you know, drink a little bit and kiki about whatever's going on that we haven't caught up on and see each other's faces. So I liked it. How many people were on your call? There was just four of us. Oh, okay. It didn't get too crowded. I've seen... I've seen people take screenshots and stuff of their things, and it's like 10 or 12 people. It just seems like a lot. It seems still like a socially anxiety situation that I would deal with if I were there. See, and I think you do your own comfort level. Some people like that, you know, it translates from what they like in their real life. Like, I like the, if you like the big crowd, you'll have the big Zoom crowd. You like a small crowd, you keep your Zoom crowd small, so... 
function whatever you know whatever works for you yeah that's like a one-on-one conversation you know the other day one of my friends called me and uh i consciously looked at the phone and like watched it ring and contemplated not answering it but then i felt bad (laughs) (laughs) i was not gonna answer it i just was staring at it um but then i did why'd you feel bad um, because I knew that they were calling to like check on me. Oh, okay. And so okay. I would feel bad knowing that they called me and that I wasn't going to call back either. Cause you know, sometimes you, if your phone's ringing, whatever, and then you don't answer it's if you're busy or doing something, you have the intention of calling them back or you send them, like, I would not, if I'm ignoring calls and you, there's just no callback or anything going on. So that would be the end. <laughs> Do you feel like, and I know for me, it's been an adjustment in quarantine time. Do you feel like you, anything has shifted for you during quarantine? I know everyone's like posting like, oh, this and you should be learning this or you should do this to yourself or feel this way. Do you feel like you've reached that point where you're like, okay, this is a shift for me or this is what I'm doing differently during quarantine time? Um, well, being off of social media for those couple weeks, I wasn't really consuming like all of the online therapy posts and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever was going on. So I wasn't really thinking about it differently. I was just kind of going about my business because I, this is what I normally do and I don't really go outside anyway. So I don't think I was doing anything different because of it. That makes sense. I think for me, that that first week was really hard. Um, And being a therapist, we talk a little bit about toxic positivity where people almost dismiss, you know, your feelings and like try to give you like this, it's going to be okay, like pep talk without allowing me to like actually feel what I'm feeling or go through those um, emotions of the change or the grief. So I really tried to stay away from people doing that, mm-hmm. but yeah, that first week was tough. I was like, okay, this is real. Like, I just started this new job. I'm in this new area, and all of a sudden, it's over, um, and I think it was more of a sadness, not for myself, because like I still had my job. I still had like my financial security, but for my, my students, like I worried about them and you know their instabilities and so it was really rough watching people on social media, like, grieve about their sadness. And not to dismiss their sadness, but I just knew, like, for some people, like, that isolation and that distancing was going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. And so that was really hard for me. So once I moved past that and just accepted, you know, I don't have that control over those things. And finally getting able to talk to my students, um, I think that helped adjust with this quarantine and social distancing. And like I was saying, I'm not a super huge social butterfly, but it does make a difference being stuck in the house all day and not having those social interaction. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just talking to Candace about something similar to this topic the other day. I was already kind of in this state of grief, like under this dark cloud. To not be so like mundane about or like morbid about it, but 
it to already be in a status of something that I was going through personally and then kind of welcoming like literally the whole world to like, oh, now we all have something to collectively grieve. So to kind of watch everybody come into that was sort of interesting because I was already there. Yeah. So I think that's why it wasn't so much of a transition for me to just be like, okay, well, I'm, I was already adjusting to like a different type of lifestyle, which is really going through this process of grieving. Right. Um, And so that's interesting that you bring that up. And it's, it is kind of, you, you'll see people that don't really know how to deal with grief or deal with people who are grieving. uh, And they say those kind of like buzz phrases, right? Like, just just focus on the positive things and it's going to be okay and it takes time and time heals oh time heals all wounds like good lord like great but i don't have a time machine so that doesn't really right. help me right now so right. that's that's interesting i i do think that it's interesting to watch people who process their feelings and the people who kind of aren't or seemingly aren't from the outside right right yeah, and I think, too, like, the one thing I've tried to tell people is regardless of what's happening, being kind to yourself is probably the biggest thing you can do for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, not being hard on yourself, being okay with, you know, crying or having a horrible day or struggling during the day, that's fine, right? It's not, and it's awkward or uncomfortable for people to navigate through that, but I think it's important that it's always reflected back that being sad is fine. Like that's not something to run from. Um, it's something that you just have to work through. Right. And you don't have to always hear like, Oh, things are going to get better. I don't know what better will look like. So let me just be here and be comfortable with being here. It's not going to ruin me. It's not going to end me. I'm not depressed. I'm grieving. Like something happened that I need to grieve and go through. So it's awkward. It can be very awkward because people like happiness, right? We like when people are okay. And, and I think that's fine and that's good. And that's our nature to make sure people are okay, but that's not reality either. I think even with that too, it's important for people to understand that you shouldn't rush other people's processes either because I have, I've dealt with a lot of people who will kind of ask me about my personal situation and it seems like almost like every day or whenever they're just like, oh, well, are you feeling better? And it's like, well, that's not really the question. And it's sort of just like expecting one day to just wake up and be like, well, everything's fine, like grieving over um, when it's more just like a tapering process and maybe not even a tapering process, more of like the cognitive thinking or being cognitively flexible and understanding how to deal with like this new form of reality that you're in. Um, But I mean, people who haven't dealt maybe with severe or significant trauma or having to go through a process like that may not understand it. And it's hard to explain. And it's also energy, like it drains your energy trying to explain it while you're going through it. Oh, absolutely. If I'm already grieving and I'm struggling, I don't have the energy to educate you. Sorry, like I can't, you know, if you don't figure it out right now, it's probably not the best time for me to educate you. Right. And so you just have to be able to accept that, okay, I'm struggling. Checking in on me is fine. Expecting an end date 
I don't have one. Like, I don't know when this will be over. So just ride the wave with me. Like, right. some, or, days might, some days are good. Some days are not good. Or get off the wave. True. True. And if you, right. And don't feel obligated if you're on the other side that you're the friend that's trying to be supportive. Don't always feel obligated that you have to be there, right? Some things you just can't handle. Some things you have to be okay with saying, like, okay, I've got to get off this train. I care for you. I hope things work out for you. But this is also draining to my energy, too. Right. I think that's also tough for some people. And it's hard to sort of recognize that for what it is, too. And understanding, like, some people just aren't, if... Even if, like, they're the people that you want to support you or, you like, you want them to be there and you appreciate it, but if they aren't able to give you the support that you need, like, it's it's just as harmful as having someone who's not supportive. Yeah, and I think that takes people just being honest with themselves because we always want to be the savior. We always want to be, oh, I was that friend. I was always there for you or I was right. a family member. I was always there for you. Were you there for me or were you just there because you wanted to look like you were the good person? Yeah. Or were you truly there to help me navigate this process? And sometimes you might have to be honest and say, you know what? I don't have the skill sets to help you get through this. Like, I can call and check on you, but I don't know what else to, like, offer you. I even have to tell my friends that sometimes. Yeah, sure, I'm a therapist, but sometimes the support you're requiring you need that from someone that's not connected to you. Mm-hmm. You need that from someone that doesn't know all the ins and outs of what you're going through. You need an unbiased person to be able to check in with and, you know, navigate and process your thoughts and your trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Trauma, trauma work isn't something that, oh, well, I can just talk to my mom and I'll be fine. Mm, mom might be a little bit biased and you can't share your honest truth about your trauma you might need a therapist. And that's not saying remove your community. You still need your community. Community is just as important. But some things you have to really dig deep with on a professional level to figure out, how did I get here? How do I get out of this place? Or what's my new normal? Yeah. And then also being able to communicate that back to your family. Like, hey, I'm not comfortable in this space anymore. This is my new normal this is what I'm expecting out of our relationship or, you know, whatever makes you feel safe and comfortable to move forward. Yeah. And that's a good point. I think the communication process that goes along with that, especially when you're in the, in the very beginning of like a grieving process and trying to figure things out. The, something that I was talking to my therapist about was assertive communication so um she she kind of got well maybe not mad but i don't talk to the therapist anymore but um (laughs) (laughs) she was so when when i went to phoenix right so i didn't really want to go remember that week i was like oh i don't want to do it whatever like i always wait until the last second to buy plane tickets and whatever so and i had told her about it before i went and when I came back and she was like, oh, did you go? And I was like, yeah, I went. And she's like, well, did you want to? And I was like, not really. And she's like, well, why did you do something that you didn't want to do? And that's the voice I heard her say it in, whether she said it or not in that <laughs> manner. <laughs> I was just like, well, like, I don't know because I haven't been doing anything. And maybe that was like a good thing to do to whatever, like change my scenery or something like that. But she was, while I didn't really agree with her point of like her getting 
kind of ruffled or my interpretation of her being ruffled the fact that I did something that I didn't really want to do. Um, I did think she did make a good point about assertive communication and like being able to tell somebody like you're not helping me even though like when we when I said I answered the phone because I felt bad about my friend calling. Um, yeah. If it would have been like I felt bad or I was more concerned about his feelings than my own feelings, then I think that's where more of what she was going towards in terms of she's like, if you are going to make yourself more miserable because you're accommodating other people's emotions over your own, like during a time of processing like grief and going through like a trauma, then that's where it becomes harmful or like hurtful to your own healing process so assertive communication is definitely and it's just saying what you need um and then the ever elusive boundary setting mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. is another one i struggle so much with boundaries well yeah because boundaries are different for every situation right you might have more loose boundaries for one person more strict boundaries for another so you have to know like how to turn it on, how to turn it off. So it can be confusing. Yeah. Especially in the beginning when you're just like, okay, I'm shifting from being this person that usually goes with the flow to now being this person that's like, I'm only doing things that will make, not make me feel good, but serve my best interest, right? Like I'm not going to do things that are going to like make me feel uncomfortable or that I know deep down, like I did not want to do this. But I let them convince me after repeated 20 times of asking me to do it, then I did it. Yeah. Boundaries are something you just, like I said, you learn to, to, to utilize them. And even for me, like there's still some interactions where it's just like, it's not easy to set those boundaries. And I have to like actively remind myself, like, am I comfortable doing this? Okay. Like get up the strength to just say no and be okay with saying no. Right. Yeah. That And that part is hard. For me, for someone who is so deep into, like, emotions and people's feelings and whatever, kind of caring for everybody else's problems first, that part mm-hmm. is difficult for me because I'm always thinking about, like, well, what is this other person going to think or how are they going to feel about this and... I think that those things can be difficult when you're more of an empath-leaning personality type, like myself. Yeah. Those things can be tough. So how how do you feel like it's been working out for you, though, setting Um, boundaries? I had to be a little assertively communicative earlier this week with someone else, and it was was kind of hard for me because... Sometimes being assertive in my communication also means that I'm I'm usually upset at that point of where I feel like I have to basically tell somebody like to leave me alone. Um, so it doesn't come out great. Like it's not expressed probably in the best manner. Um, and a lot of times I feel like I know that it's kind of bubbling to that point. So I could probably stop the train a lot sooner than I do. And so it gets to a point of where I'm just like, okay, now I'm really over this. So just don't talk to me anymore or like, just leave me alone. Um, yeah. Which, you know, can be potentially damaging to relationships of any sort. Um, 
So that part that, I mean, it's, I mean, that's what happened this week, but it didn't, I think my friend has a lot more grace for kind of where I am personally. So it didn't really, <laughs> they're just like, okay, like see you tomorrow, whatever. Um, okay. which is interesting because I feel like my, my better relationships in my life are surrounded by people who are very much that way. They're just like, all right, I see you're having a bad day. So I'll talk to you tomorrow. And then they just kind of let me go off somewhere. That does help when the response, when the receiver is a little bit more understanding. It sounds like your communication can sometimes be more aggressive leaning. Mm -hmm. But I think that just comes with learning too. And like you said, catching it before it gets down that rabbit hole of, okay, I should have stopped you like maybe 10 minutes ago instead yeah. of just letting it go on and fester and then piss you off. Yeah, I think people are just very, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, people are complex. I'm at a loss people sometimes. Are, yeah, I don't know. People are people are complex. That's why people always ask me, like when they find out I'm a therapist, they're like, oh, "Are you psychoanalyzing me?" No, probably not. Like I don't even know you to like psychoanalyze you, and no two people are the same. So I try to steer clear of that. seems like people are very concerned about being judged in that manner. <laughs> yeah. It's it's scary cuz we a lot of us are good at hiding who we really are. Mm -hmm. And so then you put like this title on someone and you assume like oh my god they're going to see my inner soul. And I'm like I'm not even really thinking about that. Right. I'm just here for the party. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even concerned with with all that. Yeah, I think some people, I don't know, they, I think we work sometimes very hard at the, the veil that we are portraying, and it's not even so much of a mask anymore, it is a veil, because it's very see-through, so it's like there are pieces of you that are being shown, like it is really you, but there's still kind of like the Snapchat filter on, mm -hmm. like tweaking very minor things, right? on probably not the best parts of ourselves, but I don't know that the people are just, all of these are the reasons why I like to socially distance in a normal setting. <laughs> like the fact yeah. that I'm supposed to be somewhere right now that I just say, like, that I wasn't assertively communicative in just saying, like, uh, I don't want to okay. go. What a great, what a great example. I'm supposed to be at some, at a, a cookout, for a coworker by who I have been socially distancing alongside as working out in her gym in her garage. So we've kind of been like quarantined together. Like I've been around her for two weeks. So nobody's sick. Um, but cause it's Easter. So they wanted to like get together. The, there's like two other people that go and I didn't say no, but I didn't say, I mean, I didn't say yes, but I didn't say no either. So you didn't say yes? No, I no, I just kind of stood there and was like, oh, oh what a great okay. idea y'all are having. But I didn't say anything like, I will not want to go tomorrow. Even though in my head <laughs> I thought it. <laughs> <laughs> it 
I knew in my head, I was like, I'm not going to feel like going to this tomorrow. But I just didn't say anything. I just like, kind of smiled and nodded. Okay. And so now how did you get Ryan. signed up for a side dish? Well, because we're all in a group chat. So there's four of us in a group chat. And um, my friend, she sends a text, like, when we all, the time that we meet up to go work out. And so she's like, oh, well, uh-huh. you know, Nijani, you can just bring sa- a side dish. And I was like, what? Oh, okay. So, so I she volunteered. Yeah, so I kind of got volunteered. So, uh, so, yeah, in my mind, I'm like, well, it's an insignificant part of a role that I'm supposed to play here. I don't know. I am routinely flaky, however, in my non-pandemic self as well. So I, I don't really feel bad. I don't know if that's something I should feel bad about, though. I don't know. How does it? I think it just depends. If it works out for your friendships, it works out. So what are you going to say when these people hear this on this podcast? Oh, they don't listen. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> My friend that my friend that um, I work with, she doesn't even have social media at all, so there's no way for oh, her to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. People are picking up things that they've never done before during this quarantine. Well, time. I will tell you, it's it's funny you say that. So one of my old CEOs actually saw my podcast on like his um, like suggestions part, <laughs> and had sent me oh. a text like a couple. Well, I think it's like a couple months ago now, but. He's like, hey, um, I saw this on my feed. I was like, whoa, that's random. So I guess you're right. It could manifest itself somewhere else. But I don't know. Anyways, it's not even, I'm sure I'm going to have to say at some point today like that I'm not going to show up. Probably. So. That's also a part of the sort of communication, though. You can always, after the fact, even though it's still late, you could still communicate, you know, hey, I really genuinely didn't want to come to this and I probably should have told you sooner so I'm sorry but I'm not coming I'll probably just be like hey I'm not going to make it (laughs) (laughs) that works that way I avoid even like the natural tendency to want to like make up some sort of excuse aka a lie about why (laughs) I'm not going this is true oh I'm good at that though oh that's so bad (laughs) I'm good for that Oh, my God. So, with all this quarantining and stuff and, like, working from home, I missed my first um, meeting. And and so, yes, I preach being assertive and blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, I just flat out made up a lie. Like, why did I miss? And I wasn't doing anything. Like, that that was so, like, the ridiculous part of it all. I had it saved in my calendar and everything. All I was doing was juicing. Just standing in my kitchen, juice. <laughs> so what did you say happened? So, yeah. <laughs> I was like, my Wi-Fi was down. Oh, I hope they don't hear this. <laughs> well, I thought you were well, going to say something like, I had to go to the hospital to get no, corona tested. No, no that's, that's like a rabbit hole that's way too deep. I can't do that. And easily But the tracked. Wi-Fi one was, you know, like a... It happened last week that our Wi-Fi did go down. So I was like, well, I didn't call out because of it last week. I will use this get-out-of-jail-free card right now. My, you know what? The Wi-Fi down thing, though, my Wi-Fi went out for like 12 hours. That's what I'm saying. And all I do is watch Netflix and such. So right. I just had to go to sleep. Right. I had no right. options. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's how we noticed it. Like, we were sleeping. 
And same, all of our TV, we just stream, and then it was, it was like blank, and I was like, and I went downstairs, I checked the modem, nothing. And then so finally I got to check it online. It was like, oh, it was down. So I was like, well, this will be a good, you know. So I pulled that car. But I said that to say, like, you know, no one's perfect. Like, we all try to preach being assertive, but pressure buff pipe sometimes, and you just have to go with what you know. <laughs> one day I'll, I'll figure it out. I don't know. Yeah. It feels like every day, though, in this in this pandemic, it's like a new type of apocalypse. Right. Because, like here um, in Annapolis, the other day it was super windy, right? So yeah. it was like mini tornadoes outside. So I have a rooftop patio and um, I had ordered all that artificial grass for up there, the turf. Yeah. And um, it came in this box. Like it was a pretty long box and then it had like a tarp that was inside that had wrapped around one of the pieces. So I had just like stuffed it all in the box and it was sitting on the rooftop and the wind blew so hard uh, overnight one of the nights. So the box was in my little front yard area when I woke up because I went up there to check it because it was um, I could hear because I have like a metal chair and stuff up there. I could hear it like moving on the roof because it was like the wind was like picking up the turf because the turf's not like sealed to the to the floor yet. So I go right. there and there's no box. <laughs> I was like, oh, snap. So I look over my balcony and the box was thankfully it was in my like little square right. of property. So I like I go downstairs and like drag it in my home really quickly. <laughs> And but there was no tarp, right? And so I was like, uh, I kind of looked around, like I didn't see anything rolling down the street, right? So I had uh-huh. gone to the Dunkin' Donuts that's down the street that morning to get whatever I was buying, and there's like, I live around like really weird stuff. So I think it's like a, like a maybe like a daycare or something. There's this something that has like a fence, and there's like barbed wire at the top of it. This tarp, but it's like all the way down the street, right? This tarp was stuck yeah. in the barbed wire of the fence. Nice. Nice. <laughs> but the wind Did is still blowing. No, I'm like climbing a tarp. What do I look like? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Zelda. Like, I'm not on a quest to, like, I, it was, st- but that fence is high, though. It's not oh. even, like, I would have to climb. And then I would have to somehow. Not scrape yourself up trying to get it off. Yeah, there was no way that was happening. So I haven't left that side of the. I don't really leave my home anyway, so I don't know if it's still there or not. But uh, that's where it was a couple days ago. So that was that day's apocalypse. Twenty twelve. What? And have you? Don't you remember that movie? Twenty twelve. Uh no. The end of the world movie. There were so many of them. I don't know, but 2012 was actually really good. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Well, but yeah, that, so that was like the wind of that day. It's been weirdly raining on and off here. Um, for some reason, there's, so there's a hotel across the street. You know, the one, oh, you haven't been here yet. The, no. There's a hotel across the street and I don't know, I don't know what, I, I heard that they're using some of the hotels as like, places to I don't know but there are a bunch of sketchy looking individuals that hang out Uh around there and I've been taking the dog out uh, Uh to go to the bathroom in the mornings and stuff and they will like cat call me they're like out there carpooling to somewhere I don't know where and so I stopped going outside 
in the oh. morning. Yeah. It's been, and then there's always like ambulances and cop cars there. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds really creepy. It's been it's been a time. I don't know, work has been interesting. They just canceled commissioning. Did I tell you that? I saw that. They canceled commissioning week for the mids and uh, they don't know what they're what that's gonna look like. I was gonna say, what does that look like? But they I, don't know. They talk they've been talking about some sort of virtual thing. So hmm. somebody the other day I was in class, because um, you know I'd be I mean I don't think my kids listening, whatever. But you know, I'll be texting when I'm in class too. Um, sometimes my little thing, my notifications will go off in class. I'll be like, "Sorry," because <laughs> I, I don't know how to turn it off on the computer. The messages. So if I, oh. someone sends me a text, the iMessage like dings. Yeah. So I'm like Google Hangout, but I showed somebody the other day, like a picture of what it looks like when we're in class, because you know it stacks all the windows or whatever. Because I tell people like I'm in class right now. And yeah. I, I guess if they just don't, I'm, I must be like the only actual educator they know <laughs> that like teaches kids. Because um, they send the picture, they're like, oh, you're actually having class. Like, I think they think virtual class is like discussion boards or, you know, how online classes sometimes are. Um, so they were like taken aback. And they're like, no, I'm actually having class with teaching. Yeah. These children's. Yeah, I start that. that- on Monday, actually. How do you feel about that? Like the virtual side of it? Um, for us, it's kind of crappy because most of my kids are low socioeconomic status. So their access to internet and blah, blah, blah is very low. But we shall see. Hmm. To be continued, I guess. Definitely. It's definitely been an interesting exercise in adaptability to mm. like, a di- especially like a working environment, but in a sense of like, we are still supposed to educate young people, right? On something that's pretty important. Like one of my classes is with my seniors um, and they're about to commission as, um, you know, second lieutenants, whatever, in a couple months. And we're trying to do some virtual class that's like, hey, this is important, but. I think it's different, too, though, because I work at an elementary school, so the standards are not that high. Yeah. Um, And so my principal's done a really good job to make that very clear. Like, the most important thing is to just make sure you take care of yourself and that your basic needs are met um, with little pressure on the academic side. Mm-hmm. which I think for kids is realistic like you can't expect a kid sure kids go to school for eight hours of the day but they're not learning for eight hours of the day like mm-hmm. conventional learning right they're learning how to be social they go to lunch they go to art class they go to music there's math and English in there but that's like two hours of their day and so I've even had to tell like some of my friends that are parents like dude you cannot create a schedule for eight hours right like, Two hours of learning, sure. Put something fun in there for your kid to do, like teach them how to bake or cook or whatever. Like, don't center their whole day around like traditional learning, learning. styles. Yeah, yeah. I feel like from my social media view of people who have kids, it seems like some people are putting a lot of pressure, or social media seems to be putting a lot of pressure on parents to be able to 
seamlessly fill that gap. Which is ridiculous because most of us are still working and being a teacher is a full-time job. Like Absolutely. <laughs> so you, you're not going to realistically manage what your kids are able to obtain in school at home. Yeah. I agree. Even, even kids that are homeschooled, they don't work that hard. So relax, parents. You're doing great. At least your kids are not um, running wild and doing drugs or whatever. If they're at home and they're doing some kind of work, you're doing fabulous. Yeah. it's. I think we just... I think that's why I really appreciated that time off of social media in these past couple of weeks because it's just like it was too many opinions and too many and I, this might sound really harsh but I'm going to assertively say it anyways it's just too many uneducated opinions on like what's going on and it's just from the top down it just seems like the truth is we don't really know a lot about what's going on but then when it spawns into all these little spider web things like virtual teaching and how do you homeschool your kids and what should you be doing as someone that homeschools or you know who's the who's the arbitrator say like you're not taking it seriously enough or you're doing something right or wrong when we're kind of all in this situation trying to figure things out for the first time like everybody's doing that so I don't know. On um, social media, especially like on Instagram, you just be, get to become an expert because you said you are instead of <laughs> actually being an expert. So that part is tricky. I don't know if the I don't know if the experts drive me crazy more than the conspiracy theories that drive me crazy. Oh girl, they drive me up a wall. Did you see? Um, did you see that whole five G thing? Yes. Stop! I can't. Carrie Hilson, what are you doing? You know what? She was never the same after that Beyonce <laughs> conflict. <laughs> she did it to herself. This 5G thing could have been avoided, though. Like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? It, it doesn't make any sense. <sighs> but So they've got us inside to put up all these 5G towers. Great. Go ahead and tell me, tell me that again while you play on your cell phone all day. Well, it's probably another scheme that for Amazon to take over the world, so. Yeah, there you go. It all makes sense now. But yeah. It, it's, I don't know. They, I don't know. I don't know what happens. I think what's more interesting to me in, in a time like this is not so much of like what people are doing currently. It's what people will do after. Oh, I know. But like I was telling Nick, though, I'm like, we are very hopeful people. But I have very little faith that we will stick to this whole community support and connectedness. And well, the same thing happened after 9-11. Yeah, it'll fade. And I'm sorry, like, I wish we could be better, but we're not even trying to, like, truly make changes in this, like, quarantine time. Like, you still see people, like, trying to follow that capitalistic mind frame mm-hmm. and that's just where america is like at all times it's money first money leads we're not really focusing on helping community at our core mm-hmm. right we're, we're trying to figure out how do i get back to work or how do i even make money during this quarantine time or how do i pick up a second job during this like it's our values are not rooted in what some of us are doing right now in quarantine. Well, yeah, because, and and I think there's so many, I mean, we, you and I in particular, as an example, are fortunate enough to 
A, have jobs that are still being paid, um, have places to live, not really have to worry about, you know, we have the opportunity to stay at home and be fine um, and not, you know, risk exposure or be in a category that would put us at higher risk. But it's like I was talking to a mom the other day and she was just telling me more about like the, the stuff that's going on with the Navajo Nation and how they're experiencing so many shortages of just like masks and basic needs and things that like the people need and not so much i mean their access to internet is not as uh, prevalent and widespread as it is in other areas and so they're just having a, a difficult time on the nation of getting people to stay home and the preponderance of the navajo nation are our elders so it's like you've got this huge demographic of people who are said to be in this higher risk category but they don't have the means to protect themselves they don't have the means to just or the opportunity or ability to just stay home because they still have to get food and they still have to leave to do certain things just to survive and it's not so much of like oh i'm going to work but like i have to go get food or i have to sustain myself Um, so those things are really scary and you don't hear about that either like nowhere on news headlines have you heard anything about like Native Americans and what they're struggling with, with the reservations that the government put them on and already gave them like this disadvantaged state. And then to put them, you know, now on this pandemic where you're not supposed to go anywhere and do all these things and people could die. They're just not having access to the resources, but also not having anybody paying attention to the fact that there's probably a group of people much larger than even just the Navajo Nation, right? I'm sure that's not the only indigenous tribe that is struggling right now. Mm-hmm. But the, and that's just one area, like one underserved area of the United States. Yeah, and it is a privilege. And I think that's the part that I had to reconcile with myself. As much um, grief, I, like I was saying earlier, that I experienced, it, it is a privilege that, I, like you said, I have a safe home to be in to shelter in place. Like someone posted like, um, like the homeless population in Vegas, they put them in like a parking lot. And I'm like, dude, you have all these hotels. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give you a round of applause for putting these homeless people in a parking lot. Like that isn't, but that's forgotten people, forgotten populations are harshly, um, suffering through times like this, right? Like, they always get the bad end of the narrative. And I I am very grateful to those people on the front line that are working tirelessly to figure this all out. But like you said, on the news headlines, you don't hear about these forgotten populations. You don't hear about Native Americans. You don't hear about the homeless or my girls that are being sex trafficked. Like You don't hear about what is happening to these people during this time, right? They're not being sheltered in place. They're not you know, really following all the social distancing policies because they can't, like Mm -hmm. they don't have that luxury to um, follow it. So I think you're you're right. Like it takes big voices to bring attention to that kind of situation. And some of these populations don't have big voices to advocate for them. Um, And so, you know, we try to do as much as we can to bring attention and bring awareness. And so I do hope they do figure things out on the res because I know, it does sound like things are getting a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we, you know, we really focus and care about people in New York, but what about other areas, right? That, like you said, they don't have the resources 
to solve the problems that they're facing right now. Right. And it's it's really kind of scary to to know that and and just to be connected to that side of of an underserved population is is scary because you know there's there's not a lot that you feel like you can do and so and you're right like big voices right so mom was like oh you know can you like make a video i'm like mom who's watching my video like (laughs) like, (laughs) you speak navajo like you make the video like why would any like why would they listen to me about you know, stuff going on in the, on the nation. I'm like, I'm, I'm not even there, nor do I even look overtly Navajo. So why would they even, like, what is that? And she's just like, oh, I didn't think of that. I was like, good, great mom. Uh, but I don't know. I think with, I think also because, um, Dolores' sister, Aunt Rosalind works for the Indian health services. Yeah. Um, we just have weirdly more knowledge about that. Like what is actually happening in terms yeah. of the health situation on um, on the reservation right now too, and so it's just the numbers and the statistics are just not great. That um, she's supposed to be sending me an email with more like because I asked her for data. I was like, if you have yeah. like actual numbers, numbers. and stuff, because yeah. it's one thing to say like, oh, it's really difficult, um, but when you're trying to convey a message to a larger group of people, it's hard to do that when you can't connect them to something that they care about and people care about stats. And right. they care about numbers, so right. those, those sorts of right. things. But it's just hard to spread awareness, and then it's hard to get people to care um, when they can just well, stay in their house and not have to look at it or think about it. Well, and then this is also like a time where, like you said, everyone's going through something, mm-hmm. and so they're like, "So you want me to put down my care for this one thing?" Instead of realizing that you can care about a multitude of things at once and bring awareness to a multitude of things at once. And that doesn't mean that you're pushing your issues to the side. You're just adding more value to the lives of someone else that's struggling too. Mm-hmm. So, so I think we just have to be mindful because I, the more you talk about that, I noticed on the news, they talked a lot about um, African-Americans and their health implications and their outcomes with the coronavirus. And someone kind of brought up a good point. Um, like, how do you shame black and brown communities when the disparities in health have always been there? And now you shame us for not being able to navigate or survive the coronavirus when the our country never really cared about our health in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. Like before coronavirus even happened, there was, you know, people going to the federal government and fighting for black women to have better health outcomes when they're pregnant and giving birth right Mm -hmm. so now this has come up and they're like oh these are the risk factors but our communities have been built where we don't have access to um, proper grocery stores or we don't have access to health insurance because health insurance are tied to very lucrative jobs that black people are not always given the access to so how do you expect us to survive this so instead of shaming us, there should be another way to address this. You should do, you know, effective PSAs. I did appreciate um, agencies like Revolt TV coming out and just bringing powerful leaders to bring a voice to what can the black community do mm-hmm. and even challenging our politicians on what they should be doing moving forward. So it can be anxiety provoking because you, you're right, but like lack of control is scary. 
um, not having the ability to control. Like my family's from Louisiana and Mississippi, very country, very, you know, Bible Belt. They, you know, they're still trying to go to church, even though we're social distancing and, you know, their first response is, you know, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. Yes, you are, but God has also given us common sense and we need to use that and not be, you know, hanging out with 20 plus people or trying to clamor to church and touching hands with people you don't know if they're carrying the virus. You Mm -hmm. have to be smart and safe and wait till this rides out. Like God knows your heart. If you want, he knows that you want to be a church, say a prayer, have a zoom church service, take care of yourself. Like, so, I mean, I do think it's important that we try to get our voices heard. Even if no one listens, the fact that you bring some awareness sometimes can help more than it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. It's already been an hour. Can you believe that? I know. Whew. After the dog has been terrorizing me. Well, I think that that's probably good for the conversation for today. Sounds good. I don't know how much more. I don't know. I don't know. Spark is, it's interesting, like, going through this and, like, thinking of the world itself, like, what they're going to do after this. I was just talking to my other friend, so Jeremy, the other day about, like, what Spark looks like after this, too, especially because, like, right at the beginning was when, um, you know, it was getting all those speaking engagements and, like, lining up events and things like that, like, some of those things probably falling through, and so kind of sympathetic to the small business owners yeah yeah during this time people who rely on people like my business centers around people being present uh, for events and so just just kind of like thinking about what what does spark look like in in a time and during a time where you can't physically be around people so this push for like everything with like updating the website and start like revamping the blog on the website and like getting people to kind of agree to like guest blog on it um and then trying to reinvigorate like the podcast and have people on or just talk to maybe even the same people aka you um who are consistently available you know because it's just like providing people with content or things um that if it's like you said if you have a voice then if you're influencing even a small group of people if you can do a positive thing or have a positive impact that's not, you know, toxic or harmful um, in both sides. Because I think it's interesting when you brought up, you know, toxic positivity can be just as harmful as, you know, toxic negativity. Is that a double negative? <laughs> Being toxic. <laughs> Being toxic. Being toxic. Um, so, and then, you know, it's so easy for us, I think, especially as millennials in this generation and below us right to just make jokes about things like this or even when we're going through the world war three thing and all the memes that come up and to just kind of make um you know get on tiktok which i have recently discovered and there are lots of funny things on there (laughs) (laughs) i haven't made anything yet so i'm just like an old person like trolling around like watching people's tiktoks but some of the stuff is really funny um which i'm not sure what makes tiktok any different than vine but 
It's like not different. It's longer. I don't know. But, you know, you could be doing a bunch of mindless stuff, which I think is important to also do because it's part of like a decompression, but in a different form. But I think being able to try and provide people with some sort of substance is also important. So. Find your balance. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for being on this virtual call slash podcast. I don't know. It was good seeing your face. Yeah, we will have to do this again. <laughs> um, well, everybody take care of yourself and wash your hands, keep social distancing. We'll get through this. It'll, you know, be something we talk about later in life. But just take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. Good. That's good last words. All right. Well, I'll see y'all next time. If you have lasted this long, uh, make sure you subscribe or leave a comment or leave some thoughts or give us some feedback. Until next time, spark people. I'm going to have to come up with a name for people that... Sparkies. You know what popped in my head? Swifty. (laughs) Please, no. Okay. Well, next time, we'll probably think of a better name. Uh, All right. I'll see y'all later. Bye.